0: In this episode, we're going to hear from Anthony Ormsby-Hale, VP of People Operations at Civitas. He's a rising star in this industry, already having grown several times into roles of increasing responsibility and impact. As you'll learn about in this conversation, Anthony started out working in community relations at retirement center management and worked his way up to executive director for two different communities, including a startup. He ultimately joined Civitas and ended up in his current role as VP of People Operations. He's spoken at multiple conferences about the need to recruit the young generation into aging services, and he also co-created the Texas Assisted Living Association's Young Professionals Network. In just a moment, we're going to learn about Anthony's journey into senior living, his retention philosophy, and his advice for the next generation of senior living leaders. I know that you entered this industry pretty early in your career. How did you end up working in senior living?
1: Yeah, uh, first, thanks for inviting me to join you today. I'm really excited to talk with you. Um, you know, I stumbled into senior living. I think a lot of us probably have the same the same type of story. Not many of us go to high school or go to college thinking that I want to work with senior adults. Um, it's not really an industry that, that would get excited about. Um, I knew that I wanted to work in business, i I knew you know, I always had this idea that I would own my own business, not really understanding I think a lot of the um, demands that entrepreneurship has on on people. So I thought, you know well, if I'm not ready to do that, then I can definitely find myself working for a great company. Um I started my career in college in nonprofit management. I actually worked for a uh, Family Violence and Sexual Assault Center as a volunteer and community manager and then through that work over about a year and a half, almost two years, I met some really great people in Huntsville, Texas. I, I went to Sam Houston State University, and I found myself applying for a community relations director position at Kerrigan in Huntsville, which is an independent living and assisted living community there. I um, had no idea what it was about, but I knew um, after talking with the executive director that i get two things. One, I would get a, a decent salary to help me pay for school, and, and two, she said that, you know, you would really enjoy the people that you meet here. And I thought, well, that that sounds really exciting to me. So my my goal was to work there until I graduated from college and then I would get a real job. And then, you know, I guess almost seven years later, I, I'm still in senior living and, and really loving it.
0: And And how has that early experience in community relations impacted your perspective of the industry?
1: You know, I think probably one thing that every operator has in common is the the belief that every person in your company regardless of your title uh, regardless of your position is a part of the sales team and so having worked As a director of sales, community relations director, you know, whatever you want to call it, for a little over three years, I had a really great opportunity once to learn how to interact with families and sometimes interact with families and seniors while in crisis. You know, I think a lot of sales directors probably remember getting those calls at two or three in the morning from a family you talked to maybe a year ago. And it's, you know, mom fell and she broke her hip and we need to help. We need to find a place for her right away. Um, so learning how to respond to that at an early age was really impactful to me because I used those skills when I was an executive director and also in my current position, when when entering into some form of crisis, whether that's a, a hurricane, whether that's a, an upset employee or a family member, um, but also just learning how all of those different departments interact. And you know, I I was the sales director that the only thing that mattered at the end of the day was the tour and getting the deposit and getting that family member moved in and then. Having some really great people along the way sit down and really coach me about, well, here's how this impacts wellness. Here's how this impacts food and beverage. And what you do is really important, but we want to help you understand the support systems that make sales possible.
0: Of course, I, I think you said it best. I mean, just the the ability to have those mentors early on as well, just to really help everybody you know, piece the puzzle together.
1: Yep. I've, I've been really lucky to have some great mentors. and um, throughout my career. So I, I, I've been pretty blessed to know some great people in the industry.
0: And you touched on, on your role as an executive director previously. Can, can you talk a little bit about how you became an ED so quickly and also about some of the unique challenges that you faced as a young leader of this community?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, um, I, I think I always joke that my senior VP of ops, Diane um, at Retirement Center Management, she got Tired of me complaining about operations so much that she thought, you know, well, I'm going to give you a shot and see what you really think about um, an executive director. And I think it's so true um, until you worked as an executive director. There are so many nuances of the job that it's really difficult to understand um, and the personal ownership that I really felt in, in walking into a building and knowing that not only was I responsible for, you know, the hundreds of residents who lived in my community, but also for the staff members, for the family members, and and knowing that, you know, I couldn't just make a decision uh, without really thinking about how that impacted every person there. So, um, you know, she, Diane was really great in in coaching me and, and especially helping me understand the financial management of the business. I think all of us really have a personal connection with our residents, with our staff members, but also realizing at the end of the day, you know, our NOI um, is really important as well. We have to make sure that we're able to pay the bills and uh, meet our obligations there. So uh, I, I joke about that. I, I think that she saw something in me and I'm really grateful for that um, to be able to work and, and to be able to take on a startup community. I, my first community as executive director was the Village of the Heights in Houston. It's a phenomenal community, absolutely gorgeous. And the residents were incredible. And I had a really great team. So I was there very briefly as the sales director, and then had the opportunity to move into the um, executive director role. And I remember Diane and I going out to lunch, and um, she just said, "You know, buckle up. It's going to be a, it's going to be interesting, and you're going to learn a lot. And um, I'm going to be there." And that was really important to me to know that I had a great mentor to help me along the way.
0: No, absolutely, um, and. Was she involved in helping you win over the team early on in that process, or is that something that you sort of had to achieve on your own?
1: You know, um, I remember walking into my first stand-up as executive director, and it was really interesting because all of a sudden, I I, I was no longer the peer. Um, I couldn't joke with my team members the same way that I had as the sales director. Um, All of a sudden, I was helping a group of people navigate through this change of we had an executive director that most of us really liked. And, you know, for one reason or another, that change was made. Um, and so helping a group of people navigate through that while also having them look at you. And I remember my business office manager, she was phenomenal, but she, she just said, I can't get over the fact that I've got two kids older than you. Um, you know, and and I had a really young director of food and beverage at the time. My um, nurse was, was incredible. She had several years in the industry. So sitting down with them and saying you know it's not really my job to tell you um, what to do every minute of the day but really to say it's my job to make sure that your department's operating the most efficient way possible and looking at the processes and supporting systems to do that and so i think when they learned that i wasn't going to come in and really try to to change the way that we completely operated but really wanted to understand what their what their day-to-day lives were like i think that really helped and at least giving them asking them for the opportunity to to learn how they operate, to learn how I can support them. And I think at the end of the day, that's what anyone wants from their executive director is really just to know that this person is going to support me um, when I succeed. And then when I fail, we're going to look at what can we do to make sure that that doesn't happen again. So I, I think it was a little awkward at first, but luckily my team rallied around pretty quickly. And uh, we're still friends to this day. When I go to Houston, we usually grab dinner and it's always a great, great time to catch up with everyone
0: that's that's so nice to hear. And you know, just hearing the way that you discuss the different dynamics at play and you know the the team building components involved, I think it's very easy to see how you ended up in your current role as VP of People Operations at Civitas. Can you explain a little bit about what your job is like for our listeners?
1: Yeah, um so my job is uh, it, it's the best job in the world. You know I've spent um, the past year creating this department at Civitas, and not just by myself, I have I'm I'm extremely fortunate to work with Misty Powell, who's our Chief People Officer and one of the co-founders of Civitas. Um, I originally joined the Civitas team as a Regional Director of Sales and Marketing um, and met Wayne uh, Powell, uh, the Civitas CEO and Founder, and the Executive Team at the Texas Assisted Living Association Conference. Uh, A few years ago, I was presenting on Attracting Millennials to Senior Living and they were in my audience and I remember looking at them and thinking they were just a strange group of people. They were, you know, they were joking, they were cutting up. And I thought, you know, man, they're not paying attention to a word that I'm saying. And, uh, at the end of that, they came up and introduced themselves and, um, you know, we just stayed in touch for a while. I was very happy at RCM and, and really, um, it was a struggle for me to to make that transition over to Civitas. But, um, so I was with them for about six months until, we created a position called the Vice President of Learning and Development, hmm. and um, had a job description. I reached out to Misty and I said, you know, I've never done this before. I said this is something I'm extremely passionate about. I understand senior living, and I think I could do a really good job at this. And um, met with Misty, and I met with Cooper Vidito, the Civitas uh, President. And um, you know, Cooper said something to me that was really interesting, and it really made me want the position even more. And he said, if you're doing this because you want to be a vice president, he said, that's the wrong way to approach this. He said, what you're going to do is harder work than what you've ever done before because you're creating a department and you have to make sure that people, that you integrate it into the culture and mission of Civitas. So over the past year, we've done everything from bringing our recruiting processes in house. We were using a third party aggregator service, uh, which was costing a fortune and not really producing a lot of great results. Um, so we brought our recruiting processes in-house. We've created a dynamic new manager onboarding program. We've created continuing education reimbursement processes, all of these different things that they weren't brand new. They th- These were things that were happening, and we just really put the structure in place to do that. And, it, and it's not just me, it's um, Misty, and then I have Emily Anderson, who's our talent operations manager. And uh, two really awesome interns who are with us this summer from southwestern Adventist University, and uh, it's just it's exciting to to see what a department focused on the mission and well-being of our employees can really do.
0: And I really admire how much your team has, you know, just how prominently you've displayed this content as well, um, whether it's through social media or even just on your website, there's an entire, you know, our passionate employee section, which I don't think I've seen
1: anywhere else. So, you know, kudos to your team. Yeah. Thank you. We, um, you know, I, I think it's every operator probably has the same commitment to their, to their employees and, and it's really putting the resources there uh, not only to have a team, but then to put the, to give that team the dollars to um, have an impact on their employees because we firmly believe that you know once our when our employees are happy our residents and our family members and our customers are are happy as well
0: and you know just considering that you've worked in this industry in in so many different capacities coming at this from so many different angles you know what do you think it takes from leadership to make people want to stick around you know along with with the programs of course that that you just mentioned
1: Yeah, um, you know, for me, I think the thing that really drives me is this challenge and um, what I like to call the entrepreneurial spirit. And it's, um, you know, being able to to have an idea to to pitch that idea. And you know, I mean, I probably pitch ten times the ideas that get you know rejected than what we actually do. And and being able to balance that out. So for me, it's knowing that I can have an impact regardless of my title um, or years of experience. That if if I have an idea or a solution to a problem that we're having that people will listen and it will be considered. And if it's not um, implemented, then I understand why and if it is, then I get to have a piece of knowing that um, that I had some hand in that solution. So I think everyone is really just looking for an opportunity to have a voice and what that voice looks like is a little different. Some people need to be at the executive table making those um, hard choices, and then others just want to know that, um, they have some hand in whatever's happening in the organization. And I understand you know that aspect of it from from the retention side, uh,
0: but I'm I'm very curious as well. I mean, you've obviously you know talked to the talk at, at a lot of these conferences and you know, at Tala at Leading Age in trying to recruit millennials into this industry. And I know you've walked the walk as well, seeing how you you know you're a co-founder for the Texas Assisted Living Association's Young Professionals Network. Can you talk a little bit about your work behind Tala's Young Professionals Network? You know, how, how you co-founded it, you know, what the mission is and and where you see it going?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we, we really started working on this, um, Tanner Steerwald, uh, who's no longer, uh, with Civitas. He went to help as uh, actually co-found his own company, um, had, had this idea and we reached out to Gail Harmon at Tala and, um, the team there and they've been phenomenal to work with and really just had this idea. The, the board at TALA jumped on it. Uh, they were really excited about it. And then we uh, teamed up with uh, Helen Hunziker at Belmont Village um, and Lexi Zager at Retirement Center Management because uh, not only are they just pretty cool people, but probably some of the most well-connected folks in the industry that, that I could have thought of at the time. Um, And we also, you know, wanted to look at, you know, making sure that we covered a wide range in Texas. I mean, it's a big state to try to rally people around. And and so we we wanted to make sure we had Dallas, Fort Worth, Houston covered, East Texas, Austin, all of those. So we're still working to build up the network there um, and hosting events uh, with TALA and really kind of figuring out what does that look like? What do people, what do young professionals in the industry want um, so we have the LinkedIn group uh, for the TALA Young Professionals Network. We've got over 100 folks in that group and uh, some really great connections made. And at this point, what we're really looking at is feedback from young professionals in the industry to say, you know, what what can TALA do as an organization to educate you, to, to help you grow connections? The TALA board's been very supportive as far as, um, you know, recently they allowed us to join their uh, decision makers reception in Dallas, which was great. I mean, how often do you get to interact with the C-suite of different operating companies and really having an opportunity to sit down with them, get to understand their business and what's really important to operators as well. Um, so so at this point, we're really trying to, to build that structure and uh, looking for feedback. So if anyone's got any ideas or um, a wish list of things that they would like from a young professionals organization, we are um, all ears. But for now, I think a lot of it's going to be networking events, um, looking at webinars, um, inviting speakers in to come in and talk about everything from public policy, building your personal brand. There are so many different topics that that people, I think in, um, that young professionals would benefit from. So uh, those are the things that we're focusing on right now.
0: And I know I speak on behalf of many when, when I thank you to, to your team for helping to put together these resources for the rest of us. Uh, it's going to go a long way, hopefully, in, in helping educate the industry.
1: We're, yeah, we're pretty excited about it. And I couldn't uh, just have to say thank you to Helen and Lexi because they are incredible organizers. And without them, uh, they definitely keep us on track.
0: I'm curious to take this in a slightly different direction. I'm curious what advice you have for the next generation of senior living leaders. And also, if there are any particular skills or areas that you think the next generation of senior living leaders should focus on.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think um, there's a lot of jokes out there about millennials wanting to be, you know, instantly promoted. And, um, you know, and I guess it's probably a little ironic that I say that, given that that I've been able to to move into a VP position so quickly. But um, I think really taking the time to learn the technical aspects of the job, I think, you know, what I do wouldn't be possible without having... An insight into a day in the life of an executive director or in sales. And even now, I still spend time working with our executive directors and our department managers to really understand what is it like to be a department director at Civitas. So that way, when I come up with a program or when I come up with some type of an initiative, it doesn't hinder their ability to do the work that really matters. So I think building the expertise within your field and whatever that is, and I think also not pigeonholing yourself based on your experience. If you have a passion for accounting, if you have a passion for nursing, really taking whatever those hobbies are um, and applying that. So a really great example of that is uh, last October, we, every year Civitas does an annual conference and we bring people together. And we had a videographer that was on contract service with us. And we hadn't really, we didn't really know him. It was just somebody, someone recommended and um he was a younger guy. He was a nurse, uh, just graduated from nursing school not long ago. and um he loved creating videos, and um you know his work was pretty good. so he he filmed our conference for two for two days, and at the end of it, he said, This is incredible. You know, he's like, I had no idea that this was an option.' Um, he's like, how can I, what can I do? And we said, well, you know, I was like, we don't really have any nursing physicians right now, but we're doing a lot of really great social media content. We need help telling our story. So we actually hired him to be our videographer director at the corporate office. And, um, you know, he's been able to balance that passion and, you know, still works as a nurse on, uh, you know, sometimes on the nights or on the weekends, but, you know, he's been able to take his insight and he's actually helping us to create, um, customized training videos um, so that way we can implement that in our learning management system but um, you know when you mention some of the social media content a lot of the videos that you see on our facebook page or instagram those all come from from him and his ideas and so you know saying this is what i'm passionate about this is what i can contribute to the industry and it may not be a traditional department manager role it could be anything from construction to interior design I think there's a lot of opportunities for young people with talent and passion to uh, impact the industry.
0: I couldn't agree more. And I think that's such a perfect anecdote in that you know, so many people that you meet in this industry seem to have stumbled into it one way or another. I just have one more question for you, which is, you know, is there anything else that you would like to share you know, with our audience? You know, any other point you think uh, that, that would be very beneficial for them to know, whether it's about yourself, or about Civitas' culture, um, or or just any other, you know, parting words of wisdom uh, for the next generation of senior living professionals?
1: Yeah, you know, I'm not too sure about words of wisdom, uh, but, uh, you know, what I would say, I think for anyone considering a career in senior living, or if you have a career in senior living, and you're really just looking at a way to make an impact, is, you know, really making sure that we don't, let people factor age in um, when making decisions, and then also, you know not holding someone's age against them um, as well, you know i as I get out and I travel and I meet folks, um, there was a an employee in one of our communities who was attending a training, and we were at a location i um, and I accidentally mistake mistaken her for a resident. Um, and she was like, "No, I'm actually a lead employee. I've worked here for you know seven years." Um, and she was incredible and, you know, was very clearly the leader of her group. Uh, and so, you know, recognizing that people have gifts to bring there and not discounting them based on assumptions that we might make about culture or age or anything like that. So, um, you know, looking for the gifts in all people is, is, I guess, the the words of wisdom that I would I would leave behind there and uh, not letting people discount you because of maybe a face value that you have.
0: Anthony I think that's the perfect message to end on I just want to thank you again for joining the podcast and for helping to, to educate us and really tell us a lot about your career and how you ended up where you are today thank you so much
1: yeah thank you for inviting me